Willie, along with my co-host, John Kesselring. Episode 82 features the Iowa Football Coaches Association Executive Director, Board Members, Scott Heitland and Brian Wilkin. Coach Heitland and Coach Wilkin will discuss the changes that are coming to the landscape of Iowa high school football and discuss the thought process and the factors that were considered when making the decisions. They will also outline the potential changes that you could see underway for the upcoming 2021 Iowa high school football season. Season 4, Episode 4 of Intentionally Grounded with Coach Scott Heitland and Brian Wilkin starts now. Well, we're on a special episode today. I'm talking with some of the pillars of the Iowa Football Coach Association here with Scott Heitland and Brian Wilkin. Um, coaches, uh, we got some some news coming down over the last week that's you know going to change up the uh, Iowa football classification process. Uh, gentlemen, tell us a little bit about that. Well, obviously, uh, Brian, this is some exciting news uh, for the Iowa Football Coaches Association and uh, Iowa High School football. Um, you know, there, there are changes that, uh, you know, we, we proposed and uh, the Iowa High School Athletic Association uh, and the Board of Control and Classification Committee took a hard look at, at uh, our proposal and, and accepted some of these. And we're excited about what this is going to do moving football forward here in the state of Iowa. Yeah, guys, I think, um, you know, you got to go all the way back to about 2015, 2016, when the state came out and reverted back from, uh, you know, playoff expansion that had happened in the, the previous seasons. And they went from 32 qualifiers back to 16. And ever since then, I think there's been a pretty strong, voice from our membership at, at every level that getting back to more participants in the postseason was something that people wanted. Um, I, I know that there's a segment of our coaching ranks out there that are diehard 16 or die <laughs> um, kind of proponents. And, and I get that. Um, and I understand that, but you know, when you look at the job of the IFCA and the, and the board of directors to represent all schools and all classes, you know, it, we, we've had surveys and feedback and one-on-one -on -one conversations that our membership wanted more participation in the postseason and, and that excitement that comes with it. And that's probably the biggest thing that's come out of this. I know a lot of attention is going to go to that classification piece, but what it allowed was more teams a chance to experience the excitement of postseason football. And that's probably what I'm most excited about. So guys, can you, what was the, you know, from the football coaches association side of things, what was the, you know, what was the number one thing on the proposal list that, that you wanted the state to look at? Well, I think you go back to John, uh, what Scott said, you know, I think the, the number one thing on the proposal was to increase the number of playoff qualifiers. And, uh, you know, that was, um, you know, first and foremost in, in, you know, with our priorities and, and getting something done here and our proposal. Um, you know, there was other things that, that we had on that proposal, um, you know, such as reducing the uh, disparity from the top of one class enrollment wise to the bottom of a class. And, and we were able to accomplish that in, in the majority of the classes or a number of the classes and, um, you know, the other thing is we've been very uh, persistent about the fact that not all football classes here in the state of Iowa have to look the same, and they definitely do not. 
as you look at this, this new format, this new structure. You know, and to piggyback off that a little bit too, you have to, I think, wrap your head around a little bit of the, the changing landscape of, of our state. And I think everybody's looking at that. You guys in Minnesota could probably uh, say the same thing, you know, population shifting within the state, um, schools that are growing and some that are consolidating. And, you know, it just things look a lot different now than they did even 10 or 15 years ago. And the thing that I, that I get really excited about is I think we have some acknowledgement from the athletic association here that as our state has changed and adjusted, maybe now, you know, we're starting as Brian mentioned that not all classes look the same. There's, there's that acknowledgement there too, that maybe different classes need different things because of how some of those changes have impacted communities and schools and the different classes throughout the state of Iowa. Coach Willie can probably attest to this better than I can. Um, but here in Minnesota, you know, everybody makes the playoffs and, um, he's, he grew up here. So, I mean, he, he can attest to what that's always been like, but also, um, our enrollment classification system is drastically different, you know, coming from Iowa to Minnesota, it's drastically different. He can probably touch on that. Um, and, and then, you know, I'll probably follow up as, you know, some of the things that are done here, you know, if those were approached, you know, at this, at the state of Iowa level, you know, here, the couple of things, everybody's going to make the playoffs as long as you have, um, you know, eight teams in a section. And that's extremely valuable to a lot of programs and a lot of communities, because if you suffer an injury early on in the season, if you, you run into some, some academic or disciplinary issues, it allows a team the opportunity to learn from those mistakes and potentially still make a run at the, the state tournament. It's very common to see a 500 team put it all together and make a run to the state quarterfinals. Uh, John and I in 2018, our first round opponent at state was a team from Cannon Falls that was 500 coming in, and they were a completely different team than you would have probably seen during the regular season. They were very well coached. They were just a, a dynamic force that we were forced, fortunate to win. So, you know, there's that side of things where you see these great stories and these great programs that, that really kind of promote the give everybody that playoff experience because you get these great stories from these great communities. Then you have the other side of it where people say, well, that diminishes the value of your regular season. Uh, your, your full body of work. So, um, you know, it's been this way in Minnesota for years, uh, but that doesn't mean we're without our own kind of critiques of our system as well. Classification wise, I mean, there's a lot of different things going to classification, uh, ranging from student enrollment uh, to free and reduced lunch population. Um, they put that all together to formula to get you um, some sort of a number that's going to be used to classify you into one of our uh, six 11 man classifications and one nine man classification. You know, to kind of add to what to what Coach Willie said, you know, based on enrollment, we're a 4A school, um, but based on free and reduced lunch, we are a 3A school. You know, so we play a class down um, because of our free and reduced lunch population brings us down one level. Um, is that something, you know, I, you know, I've kind of made a list of notes here, things I've read over the last 72 hours on Twitter, and there's some, I mean, some hot takes. I mean, there's some, Coach Will could probably, I don't know if you're on Twitter, but uh, you know, I'm sure Coach Heitland's seen it. You know, some of that stuff's pretty good. Um, you know, hey, I, I tell you, and, and people, I think it's just a reflection of that people are passionate about high school football, and it really is important to them. And the, I'm sure some of these people are people that have been out of it for 5, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, but they look back at the experience they've had, and they still care deeply about it. And so, you know, I, I see some of that stuff on Twitter. I don't know, let, let Coach Wilk can answer about his, his own Twitter account there, but <laughs> I see some of that stuff. And, 
I, I, I really truly don't take it personal. Um, I don't take it as an attack because, you know, everybody ha- is going to have their opinion and they're entitled to that. And, and we're respectful of that. And, you know, as people come up and, you know, there, there's some truth to what they say. Uh, you know, the people that are out there saying, oh, let's, let's give everybody a trophy and a certificate and make them feel good. And, you know, I, I don't think that's what this is. I really don't because we're still, it's still not something where that's happening. Um, you know, if you really want to attack that culture, they need, they need to start with youth sports, but that's a whole nother topic for a, probably a whole nother podcast. Um, but uh, you're right. There, there are people that are passionate about it. And, you know, I got a question for you guys real quick before we jump, jump too far away from it. So that it might understand that in Minnesota, the free and reduced count carries more of a weight in your classification than your enrollment. Uh, I wouldn't say it's probably, I mean, I don't know if it's more of a weight, but um, I would say, I, you know, I don't, you got to be careful probably about how you, how you word it a little bit, but um, you know, if you are using the free and re- reduced lunch services, you know, if you're using that program, um, they count, they, they use the counting system a little bit different, you know? So, uh, you know, as instead of like a 1.0, you know, student, secondary student, you would probably be, you would be classified as something a little different numerically. Um, obviously not in any way, shape or form demeaning the student and, and, you know, um, but you would be counted a little differently. And I, I don't know if it's 0.5 coach Willie might be able to classify or, you know, to it, it is based on a system that they use basically, I think whatever amount or some of the amount of the free to reduce lunch you are, are able to attain. That's how they classify you then is my understanding. Yeah. I mean, there's several districts around the state, our area, um, you know, outstate Minnesota, where you have kids that come from families of all walks of life, uh, all colors of skin, all nationalities, all religions that um, where we just run into communities where they're, you know, financially struggling. And, and as a result, you know, they use some of the services that are provided for them. And the state high school league is, I don't want to speak for them, but they're, they're trying to do them justice by also giving them a fair shake at competition. That's going to be commensurate with their situation. They don't want to discourage anybody else from playing. They want to be all inclusive as much as possible. And so that's really kind of the thought process behind it. And I would say, you know, in my own opinion, they've gotten it right more times than not. Most of these kids playing down a class because of uh, free and reduced lunch. They are at an appropriate level. Uh, I don't foresee in my time, any school that is predominantly free and reduced lunch that has dropped a class or two that isn't appropriately selected. And to piggyback, and I think I saw this um, somewhere guys that um, we have schools here in Minnesota that play up um, based on choice. I mean, there's a freedom there. I'm not, if you want to play down, that's when the, you know, the free and reduced lunch component comes in and yeah, you absolutely can play down, but um, there's a lot of parochial schools. And I know that's something I want to touch on that today because that's been brought up. Um, but the parochial schools do, um, do play up here a lot by, by choice. I mean, by, by choice, they choose to play up a class or, or two. even. That answer your question, coach Heitland? Uh Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I, I was, it helped me understand a little bit. And Brian can probably, Brian Wilkin can probably speak uh, a little more to if that discussion has taken place here than, than I can. So Brian, I'll, I'll let you kind of answer from the Iowa side of things. Coaches, I think, you know, they, they have looked at the Iowa High School Athletic Association has looked at a, a lot of different things, you know, from, from free and reduced uh, lunch to success. Um, 
you know, and I think these these things are are ongoing here in the state of Iowa, you know, amongst both the boys and girls union. And, uh, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, anything has has come about as of out of it as of yet. But, you know, I do know they're looking at some of these things as as factors uh, that you guys talked about uh, with what's taking place in Minnesota as well. Now, earlier, you guys both touched on something that that I think um, is interesting, how the classes don't look the same. You know, can you dive in on that a little bit? You know, I know, I know that, you know, I got to, you know, I know that the top end has some issues that are probably different than the bottom end, you know, so um, how, how did they differentiate each class or multiple classes and, and what was their thought in doing that? Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the classification model that, that we presented them, um, you know, was a, a six classes of 11 player football and two classes of, of eight player football. And, uh, you know, I think as the classification committee and the board of control looked at this, um, you know, they maybe weren't ready to, to make that, that jump to two classes of eight player football yet, um, with a big school and a little school class. And I think a lot of it had to do with travel. You know, we were going to have some, uh, extensive travel amongst districts in, in eight player football. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, they looked at the top, um, and tried to make some adjustments at the top. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, our proposal was put on the table and put to them. They took a hard look at it. They did a lot of work and, uh, you know, we're excited, uh, you know, what has come out of, of this meeting and their work uh, by the Iowa High School Athletic Association and the Board of Control. Now, Coach Wilkin, did I see somewhere, um, I think it's, is it 120 students in grades 9, 10, 11, um, that are, you know, kind of the cutoff there between 11 man and up or, or down, I guess. Is that number moved at all? I know that that's been a hot, you know, I, you know, I, a guy from a, a sports writer from the Cedar Rapids Gazette said, well, they're moving that number to 150, you know, and that, that turned a bunch of people, um, that turned, it created a frenzy there. Is that, is that on the table? Is that not going to be adjusted? The, the current number are the, the, Past number used to be 115, John, um, and and now we've moved it to 120 uh, for eight-player schools, and and that occurred, uh, you know, a couple years ago, obviously. So, uh, you know, we've been at 120. Um, you know, obviously, if we would have went to, you know, there would have been uh, two classes of eight men. That number might have had to be adjusted, but. Um, you know, one of the big things with the Iowa Football Coaches Association was to to save the small school uh, 11 player class A football programs and in football teams. And and we still believe there there is a place for small school 11 player football. And there's some really, really, really good small school 11 player football teams out there uh, that have no desire to play eight man football. And, uh, you know, that was one of our, our priorities as part of our proposal as well, John. So, Coach Highland, you're on, the, you're on the other end of it a little bit. Uh, what does the classification system 
do for you and your program at Dallas Center Grind? Sure. So, you know, the way that it came out and, you know, and Brian, Coach Wilkin made a great point about this. You know, we went in with some ideas and suggestions in, in this proposal to say, hey, this is what it would look like. And, you know, they didn't take word for word what we pitched at them. You know, they, you know, looked at it and eventually came out with their own. And so when you look at how it's going to affect like us here at Dallas Center Grimes and some of the other bigger schools, you've got the top uh, three classes now, 5A, 4A and 3A. They're going to be sitting at 36 teams apiece. And uh, 16 of those teams will qualify for the playoffs right now. Now, we don't know yet what that uh, district setup is going to look like. Um, we don't know yet uh, how you're going to qualify for those 16 spots. Um, that's all information that will be coming. But uh, for us here at Dallas Center Grimes, you know, we'll be a 4A football team. And, um, and, and as I sat down and looked at those list of names, it's a lot of the same teams that we've been playing and been competing against. Um, again, you know, class 4A went from, in a sense, they, they, you know, they went from 48 to 40, 42 a few years ago. And we had schools like Lewis Central, Western Dubuque, North Scott come down. Now they're just shrink, raising that line up a little farther. So some of the new faces in class 4A could be, and again, all these numbers are based off old numbers from a year ago, but, you know, schools like Fort Dodge, um, the potential for a Tumwa, um, what was the other one? Maybe like Davenport North uh, is another school that based on where they're sitting a year ago, could be teams that could come down and um, Indianola would be another one that uh, in the Metro here. So, you know, we're going to add some teams to our class that are going to be new to us, but you know, for, I think class 5A and 4A, it's going to have a lot of the same look in a lot of the same teams um, for the most part. Um, what'll be interesting to see is if we settle on four non-district games how many um, crossover games will be played between the classes? You know, will um, you know will will a team like uh, uh, Indianola still you know now that they're in the class with Wa or Norwalk, um, will that still be a non-district game, or might Indianola go and play Johnston or Urbandale now, uh, is, is which is a team they've competed with in the past? And so I think those are some things that we'll look at there. But we're excited that 16 of the 36 are going to get in. That's a significant jump in the percentage of teams they get a chance to qualify in your class. And I think that's real exciting. No, the other thing that, that I don't know if has been decided yet, you know, here in Minnesota, we use what we call a QRF model. Um, it's very much like the, like a BCS model of, of old. Um, but I know you guys went to what, um, like an, was it an RPI? Is that am I right on that? You went to an RPI system, which I think was very, like, I mean, and I can speak, I don't, I can't speak for coach Willie. Cause I don't understand. Like, I don't ever, like, I'm just a kind of a meathead football coach. Like I don't think about that other stuff. So, but there's an algorithm out there. I think coach Willie to, to calculate the QRF and he's a lot smarter than I am when it comes to that stuff, but, but he can explain that and, and then maybe kind of piggyback. Is that going to then kind of answer if the RPI is going to stay? Is it going to go and, and how are they going to adjust that? The QRF in Minnesota is based off of really kind of three criteria. The first is the size of the class of the opponent you're going to play. So the larger the school that you play, the more points, theoretically, it's going to benefit your overall QRF score. So if you are a 3A school playing a 5A school that's 0-6, it's going to be a lot more than a 3A school that's 0-6 in terms of helping your record. So it kind of favors the smaller schools playing uh, larger schools, geographically speaking. The second then thing it takes into consideration is how many wins does your opponent have? So the more wins your opponent has is going to produce more points for your record overall. 
um, than everything else. And then, and then the last one's going to be eventually going to be, you know, your, your common opponents, your, your um, kind of your tie breaking criteria, if you will. So when you are trying to figure out where you slide in versus somebody else, they're going to factor in um, common opponents and those type of things. But one thing the QRF does not reward is uh, point differential. So it doesn't reward teams winning 70 to seven. Um, it's coming down to win loss record. It's coming down to size of the schools. Um, and you can basically figure out week to week what the, the QRF ranking is going to come out for every single team. Now there's pros and cons to it that again, could be in a whole nother podcast that we could talk about. Um, but the one thing that it does do is it does give us a very definitive way of calculating how things are going to be seeded and it takes the subjectivity out of things when it comes to seeding for playoffs does your own do your own wins brian go into effect there or is it just yes. it does yes okay so your win loss your number of wins points uh you get points for playing technically up do you mm-hmm. get downgraded for playing below um you don't get docked but it just doesn't you know it doesn't add up as fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then your opponents wins and then common opponents. Mm-hmm. Okay. And common opponents only comes into factor when you're getting close to like, okay, are you a three or a four seed? Um, those type of things. So Sure. And that number does seed um, playoffs and seeds home games. You know, higher seed always gets a home game. Seeds play. I mean, that, that number is very, very important. Um, Until you get to the state. Until you get to the state tournament, in which case then it's just section matchups from uh, predetermined parts of the state. So, you know, the northwest corner might play the northeast corner um, and so on and so forth. So, you know, I guess this would be for Coach Wilkin, really. You know, is the RPI still still in play? Coach Wilkin, and the, the, I think to piggyback off this a little bit, you know, one thing that was an adjustment for me when I came here, too, is we play, uh, we play neutral site games. You know, when we get to the, gets to the playoffs, um, we, we play – at a, at a somewhere in between, you know, as close as possible to a, at a host school, if, if we can make it work. Um, is that something that is in the, you know, in the future in the state of Iowa? Well, and first of all, to answer your first question, John, uh, you know, the RPI, we, we don't know how people are going to qualify yet. You know, um, we still got a lot of work to do, um, you know, in regards to, to, uh, what came out here in the last 72 hours, you know, obviously with, you know, the number of districts, the number of teams in the district, uh, how people are going to qualify, uh, will the RPI be used, uh, number of non-district games, uh, all of those things are, are still up in the air yet. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, everybody's going to get back to work, uh, you know, here as soon as possible on, on getting a lot of these things uh, resolved and, and put into place. Um, you know, with the RPI, you know, I think here in the state of Iowa and, and Scott can jump in at any time, you know, 37.5% of the RPI was based on our wins. And then 37.5% was, was based on your opponent's wins. And then 25% was based on your opponent's opponent's wins. Well, you know, we as coaches tell kids to control what you have control over. Well, 62.5% of that you have no control over. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest issues, you know, that we as coaches here in the state of Iowa have with the RPI system. You know, in regards to the, the uh, 
hosting at neutral sites. Um, you know, obviously it, it comes up from time to time. Um, you know, I think the, the more turf fields that you have and, and things like that, there's probably going to be more people that are going to be willing to possibly do this. Um, you know, I just know as an athletic director, when the temperatures are in the twenties and the winds out of the Northwest at, at 15 miles an hour, it's tough to get people to stand out and take money, um, you know, at some of those ball games and uh, you know, but that's coming from the AD side of it, but as more turf fields, there's a possibility that may be the case. It'll be interesting, interesting to see what direction they go um, with RPI, uh, because as you look at some of these smaller classes, you know, you look at classes 2A, 2A and 1A, you know, they're going to have 30, 32 qualifiers. And depending on what they choose to do with districts, they may just throw out the qualifier stuff altogether and, and go to, you know, just automatic qualifiers based on district finish, which was what we had when we were qualifying 32 you know, back in the mid, you know, 2013, 14, kind of in that range there. Um, you know, I, I think the, the RPI in, in some ways has, it has its place. Um, it has a, a role. Um, I'm not sure I could tell you where that exactly is though, but I do know that the old, older system they were using for tiebreakers and stuff, which was that 13 point rule. Um, I, I was not a huge fan of that. Um, I thought it encouraged coaches and placed coaches in positions to make decisions about scores late in a game that were unnecessary and didn't play to the sportsmanship sometimes that you want to see uh, exist on the high school field. So, you know, I, I'm one of those persons where I'm never afraid to try something new, but I'm also not afraid to admit that it hasn't worked the way that we want it to and how can we fix it and get it better. And, you know, so maybe those are, I hope those are some things that we continue to look at from a state level and say, you know, here's what, here's what it was intended to do. Here's what it's actually doing. You know, how, how can we make this better moving forward? And, and coach Wilkin, you did bring up a good point too. You know, here in Minnesota, your opponents, opponents wins do matter too for you. So again, we have a little bit of that um, uncontrollable stuff. You know, you can't control some of that stuff. Um, you know, now you guys have answered a ton of stuff now, you know, I think the big thing too is now, now what, right? So every, you know, everything like this, you know, this is the first change in, and I want to say, is it 30 years? Coach Wilkin, did I see that right? This is the first classification change really in the last 30 years with 11 player football. Um, so now what is, you know, what is the Iowa football coaches associations next? You know, I wouldn't say move, but you know, what are they focused on now is kind of turn the corner almost to February. I mean, now it's getting kind of getting down the, the time you can feel the pinch a little bit. And, and what is the Iowa high school association going to do in, in kind of the next four or five months? Well, I think, you know, the, the first thing that's going to take place is, you know, um, the Iowa high school athletic association football playoff advisory committee, along with, with members of the Iowa Football Coaches Association, will get together and, uh, you know, try to, to iron out, you know, the number of districts, the number of teams in the district, um, you know, the, the way people are going to qualify, et cetera. And, and then the redistricting process is, is going to, to take place, you know, in terms of, um, you know, we, we received uh, our football intentions form, 
yesterday and through email from the athletic association where you, you list, we're going to play 11 player football. Uh, we're going to play eight player football. We're going into a new cooperative sharing agreement where we're continuing all of those questions that, that always begin the redistricting uh, process for us here in the state of Iowa. Does that answer your question, John? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think the, the second part of it, too, is um, has the state of Iowa indicated, too, when they will, you know, start to deem, you know, are you going to go, you know, I heard you say 36 teams for the, uh, for the larger classes. You know, is that going to be, you know, four, nine-team, you know, districts? Is it going to be six and six? Is it going to be a, just a weird, you know, algorithm? You know, when I was in the state of Iowa, some had eight, some had seven, some had six. You know, it, it was always – it was all over the place. You know, have they indicated – a timeline on when they're going to let coaches know, or, you know, I always, I always think the hardest thing too is sometimes you'd get some, some nuggets dropped on you in June or July, you know, and that would always be tough to kind of navigate as you got going, you know, four or five weeks out. So have they indicated what their next movement I know they're going to, they're in a bind too with state wrestling, state basketball, you know, that, that never stops for them. Um, you know, they, the committee, the Iowa High School Athletic Association Playoff Advisory Committee and members of the IFCA will, will meet uh, here in the very near future uh, in, in probably this next week, John, um, you know, to, to start work on that, you know, in, in regards to the number of districts, number of teams in a district, um, you know, et cetera. That's awesome. Um, is there anything else that you would want to add, Coach Wilkin, Coach Heitland, uh, before we turn you guys loose and, and what you'd want to address, you know, to some of the coaches you probably don't have a chance to address as we, as we turn the corner really on a new chapter in, in the state of Iowa? You know, the thing I want to remind everybody is that, um, you know, change is always hard sometimes. And while there's some out there that look at this and may not be excited, there's a lot of others that are very excited. And um, just know that um, there's a lot of, really good people uh, on those playoff advisory committees from the IFCA and even from the state of Iowa that are, you know, working to make football the best that it can be in the state of Iowa and keeping that more uh, broad global approach to it. Like what's, what's good for the game across the state of Iowa. And uh, when you look at some of the challenges our game has faced over the last five or six years, you know, that's kind of the, the North star for everybody is doing what's best for the game of football. And, you know, the Iowa Football Coaches Association works tirelessly to promote the game of football and to do what's best uh, for the game that way. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what comes of this. And, uh, you know, I just hope people will give it an opportunity to, to see how it plays out. And, you know, coaches will continue to participate in some of the opportunities we give them to voice their opinions to the board of directors and the association so that, you know, we can continue to do the best job that we can as a board in representing them. Agree totally with what, what Scott said, you know, change is never easy and, and we got to embrace this, um, you know, and, and embrace it with excitement uh, that we're, we're moving football forward here in the state of Iowa and, and continuing to try to make it the very best uh, that we can.